Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Taste of Meaning podcast. We are starting our season two premiere. And honestly, season one was a huge blast. We, you know, finished it on a bang. But come on, you all know we're going to do better than that. Here we are introducing our season two premiere guest. His name is Irvin Rosales. I went to university with him. We're currently working together at the same company, not same team, but same company, you know, good enough, right? But Irvin is, has been a great friend. He's a huge Marvel nerd. He's a fucking genius. And I love this man to the end of like time. Irvin, go ahead, man. Introduce yourself. Right. Like Martin said, I, I don't, I'm not a, entirely a genius, but I know a lot of stuff. Um, we met at school. I'm really glad we reconnected after we both graduated. Um, kind of happy we, we work again in the same company. Um, kind of makes it feel more homey. Uh, but I'm happy to be here and happy to tell some stories and give opinions that might be controversial and to be better than men. Yes, that, that's the that's the goal right here is to be better than men. I'm going to highlight that, underscore, you know, bold it. <laughs> well, full disclosure, he is a great director. <laughs> yes, let's keep feeding his ego, right? Let's just You're keep like, reminding like, him. I never just, it, just so I, you know, men yeah. is our third most listened episode. Oh, yeah, we're so, going to top that. Gonna so top that. the goal is... I hope, I hope people find me interesting. I think, oh, I, I think you're interesting. And we're going to top him. Sorry, man. Are you going to listen to this episode? This, this is just a hate podcast. We'll do the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure I personally send this link to him. <laughs> this is the direction you guys want this season to go. Be better than men. Yes, yes, The overall yes, yes. theme of season two is a top men. <laughs> Even if the guest doesn't know him, they're just gonna be like, yeah. Yeah, be better than men. I don't know who that is, but <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> yeah, before we dive into the food segment, I just want to like highlight the themes of season one so far and where we're gonna go in the direction for season two. So season one, you know, was our inaugural season for this amazing podcast. We talk about meeting, we talk about food, we talk about cultural identity, you know, um, societal impact on different heritages, right? So like we got into the depth of like what meaning is. And I love that. I think that's really important to both Charlie and I, and of course to our guests. Now this season, we want to really, you know, break the boundaries and what, or break down the walls of what really defines us as individuals, such as Irvin, you are half Mexican, half Guatemalan. You went to, you know, you know you're one of the first people in your family to go to attend like a four-year university. How has that been for you? prior to get into the food segment as a Latino who, you know, may not be Latino enough for other Latinos and not white enough for other whites? Mm, it's been a great, it feels like success, but I still feel like it's not enough. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly because obviously when you, you're told to go to school, it's someone telling you opposed to you wanting to go. Um, so, for me, my first year of school wasn't easy. I honestly thought I was gonna drop out. I, I say, I, it sounds shocking, but I honestly felt like I was not like good enough. Um, I, I admit I'm not the best writer. Um, that was a huge insecurity that kind of still follows me a bit today, but I've gotten better. But I definitely was scared that I had invested all this money and time in my first year to go only for me to drop out. So that was a huge, uh, I was honestly scared because I'm like, like, shoot, like, I want to do this, you know, I want to make my parents proud. That's why they came to this country to like, give me like, for me to take every advantage I can, because I'll be frank, I have a lot of family members that are smarter than me. 
but they never took the opportunity and I, they didn't honestly have like the support that my parents were willing to give me even if it was just a bare minimum it was still more encouraging for me to go um but so there was kind of that in my back head like damn like I'm the only one in my family that is being supported in this way if I fail I fail them and that was scary yeah um and then culturally speaking my parents never like they knew what college was but they never know what it meant Mm -hmm. in terms of like school the class schedules like FAFSA um you know housing meal plans like what is this like they never knew that and so that I basically had to figure that out on my own which a lot I feel like we talk about like a lot as like first generation students but not given the actual like attention it deserves Mm -hmm. um because I feel like a lot of schools give like the resources, but they never really check in on how that, what, how, how and what that means for the students that are experiencing this. Obviously, I'm like, I'm Latino, so I know what that means for my experience, but I know countless other cultures that, uh, and, and students like uh, conversations I've had with them where they're like, they felt like in the same way as I did, like, they're like, yeah, we have these resources, but they're not really taking into account my experience, my background. And so, that in my time working at the career center, which is why I really love that job, I kind of made it my own personal goal to help those first generation students feel more invited and included than excluded. Like, even if it was like the most simple thing, like, oh, like you could use this resource. Do you, you know you have this resource? That's why you're paying all this money and no one tells you. You're just expected to like, oh, you go to college, you're supposed to know everything, you're supposed to know X, Y, and Z. And then they're like, wait, we never told them, how are they supposed to know? So every time someone came in, that was my 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 ultimate goal. Like, I want you, like, when you think about a career center, sorry to diverge, uh, but when you think about the career center, my first instinct was like, oh, they just help you find a job. That was honestly, like, I think my answer for my interview question for one of my interviews, still don't know how I got hired, but you know, like I've made a great I learned all that. the same all the same <laughs> answer you, you but, get us a um, job right <laughs> yeah but ultimately I, I mean from my own experience I felt like I took advantage of that resource like no other and the, by taking advantage of that I felt like I learned so much of how to help others mm-hmm. uh, an example I could think of right off the bat is like my former career counselor Darren season one shout out um, shout out d ford um he one of our conversations we had we had a lot of similar experiences and then uh came down to doing this when i was doing this huge project where i had to present i took the resource of like because all the career counselors would give presentations mm-hmm. opposed to think just asking about oh like what can i do in an interview i was like hey you're always presenting what are some tactics or like things i could do to keep people interested this is my first presentation I'm gonna do. I'll, I'll dive in more into it, but I use that that resource as something that you wouldn't think of. And I would tell people like, just because the resource says only for this doesn't mean that they're not gonna do that. Everyone's human. Everyone wants. I mean, in my opinion, I feel like if we're there, we should actually help more than just what we do. Obviously, like, don't overextend yourself. But like, you know, if you're willing, if you know something, help another person that will, is going through an experience that you did, that you didn't, you could have helped, you wish you had help during whatever time you were doing that, it help you, you know, be that person that you wish would, would have helped you. I mean, that's always kind of my mantra. Yeah. 
obviously it just yeah. depends on the person yeah um, i mean a lot of things that you mentioned really stood out was just like the fact that with college it's it's beyond just the academics you know it's more so like all the experiences that you would get during college it, it helps build you up and, and takes you to who you are now it's like okay I, I met this career counselor who really helped me sort of look at things differently or I you know the people I met you know during that time I built great relationships with them throughout and it sort of shapes you in a way of who you are now yeah um, something I'm, I'm really curious about is that like because you mentioned how you know your family was sort of a driver for you to, to, to sort of continue um, and not drop out. So like, w- what were some of the other factors that really sort of pushed you more forward to continue with school and to really sort of push through? This might be very like uh, selfish to say, but I just didn't want the experiences my cousins were having. Mm. Yeah, they were starting. I don't think it's necessarily selfish. I think you're learning from other people's like experience through observation, yeah. knowing that like that doesn't fit me. Yeah, like, and I've always... That then and that was honestly one of the biggest things. I'm like, I don't want to be. I mean, I, I prior to the, like, for like my whole college experience, full disclosure, I worked at a restaurant for five years. That's a long time. I started when I was 18. I'm 24 now. I quit last year, <laughs> COVID. Uh, but working there and then hearing the con- like the experiences my cousins were having, uh, kind of being stuck in that space, just a level of opportunity. I didn't want that for myself. And I told myself, I'm like, am I gonna settle when I have the opportunity like right in the in my face? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't regret thinking that way because I feel like it's made me enjoy certain parts of my life more. Like I am a huge, I like learning um, I always like to share what I learn. Um, and I honestly generally care about a lot of like people. So that was kind of like, oh, like, and then, so when you think about those, I think the ultimate goal for like, in my mind is I'm like, if I do this, I could then later help my, my, my little sisters that are, maybe they want to go to college, make that experience better for them. Help my cousin, who, like if she wants to go to school, or just help anyone that, you know, like, is in my situation, like, is in a similar situation as I am, just make the experience better. And I, whatever, because I honestly did graduate with a music degree. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, I wanted to be a doctor. Oh. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was more rooted towards me wanting to help people. Mm-hmm. But then blood and then, uh, like, shaking hands. <laughs> and I was just like, now nah, I'm like, uh, 12 years of school. I'm like, I'm, I'm really yeah. trying to do four. I'm like. I don't think I could do another eight. Uh, so I kind of rewrote a little bit of my academic stuff. So I honestly, though, kind of going back, I applied to college, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. The only reason I chose whatever I chose was because I was just like, that sounds interesting. That sounds cool. Maybe I'll learn it. Maybe I'll like it. Yeah. Uh, and so I came into UCR with like, I was an anthropology major uh, and I, I, I just chose that because I saw like I had seen Bones, like the show on Fox, like way back when. And I just thought cool. I was like, cool, like you could do a, go to crime scenes, figure out why this person's dead. I'm saying that so nonchalantly. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I just thought that would be a cool like profession to be in, you know, like you're helping 
people's families, financiers, or like, you know, try to solve a case that will bring closure to people. So like, if you see, like you see the trend, it's like help, help, help. Yeah. But I did my first year of school and I was just like, of ant- being an anthropology major and then rooted with the fact that I thought I was going to drop out or like be like, you know, like kicked out. I was just like, you know what, like maybe I should switch my major just in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I definitely give, I push myself. I'm like, I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to get through the classes. I'm like, I've just done one. Maybe it's just a teacher, but I honestly hated my first year. Yeah. Well, let's, let's jump into that music thing. But after a short break for food. Oh, awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i want to go more in depth in this but yeah. i also want to get like you know lift up the hopes right we talked yeah, about yeah. meaning we talk about who you are now your cultural identity with food what do you have for us to talk about mm, see i, I de- definitely thought about this and i was just gonna say something basic but i feel like a lot of people never <laughs> yeah. like i would have been like i love a good burrito i will eat a burrito every day of my life if i could there's just so many variations but mm-hmm. in, um, in the giving my mom some like a huge shout out, I wanted to talk about Guatemalan Xiaomin. Guatemala, see, and that's interesting because like you introduced me to like King's Tackle in LA, which I never had before. So when you were saying burrito, I was like, yeah, that was a bomb ass burrito, even though mine broke apart. No. But you want to talk about Guatemalan Xiaomin. What Please is explain. That? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I was partially, again, I was inspired by men and how you guys were talking about noodles and stuff. Like, I was like, okay, like, I need something that we're going to get the ball rolling about food, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so basically it's, uh, I have like the ingredients, some of this out: noodles, chicken, green and red, red bell peppers, celery, onions, and carrots. And then your choice of like soy sauce, chili flakes, or uh, sriracha. Um, and this is like, my mom is Guatemalan. And so whenever, every, when I was growing up, she would make this um and it's so good are you looking it up yeah i'm looking at it right yeah. now it's so good so um she would make it and it would just be like she used like one of those like kind of chef uh like a walk yeah the huge one yeah and she would make that um when because of all the vegetables and stuff like that it's like uh you just uh, boil the chicken and then like shred it and then like you mix it in the sauce there's a lot of mechanics behind that, but I'm not a good cook. So I'm- I was going to ask, have you made your own version of it? <laughs> I, like, I I don't really like to cook, but I'm willing to learn how to cook that because when my mom makes that, I swear to God, she needs to get like double the ingredients because I could finish like a whole thing by myself. Like I could eat that all day. It's like just so good. It's so savory. Like it just has like all the right, like it's like, um what's that one thing to describe when like when people like some heartwarming food no yeah yeah it's just like comfort comfort food food. it's such comfort food even if you're like overly comfortable already that's just like it's so good it's like very like like you feel good after you're like yeah like and i I think it's rooted for me like i really like it because it has like all these like veggies and stuff like that i'm a huge veggie nerd i'm like i love every food i eat has to have some kind of vegetable in it and this one, I just like it because it like it does have like okay, it's a little like it has noodles and stuff. And like yeah, I won't beat around the bush about that. But like the chicken and then like all the like veggies, how they're sautéed, it's just so good. And it's like my favorite thing to eat. Um, when she makes it, she hasn't made it lately, so I might ask her too. 
So does she <laughs> does she serve it on tostadas? Because when I was looking up right now, I've saw I've seen a lot of the pics of the chow mein on the, on the tostada. Not gonna lie, I don't know if that if that's uh, that's probably a thing. But like in my house, we've never okay okay yeah. But let's see. The funny thing is, culturally speaking, in my household, the Mexican side has always been more predominant. Okay. So when my mom makes Guatemalan dishes, it's like, oh, shoot. But it's funny because of like the three kids, like me and my two sisters, I'm more into that. Like, I'll eat that. Like, no, they're my sisters. Sure. Not- I want it. Invite me over. No, yeah. Like, actually. <laughs> yeah, that looks freaking delicious. <laughs> let, let me ask her and we'll, make, we'll, we'll, we'll set up something. Like, yeah, you could come to my new house. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, that's part of the story. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll that. But um, I really wanted to talk about that because, like, I feel like my mom's heritage always, I feel like, always gets overshadowed. Mm. Like, I learned a lot about it in school. And so if you think about it, I went to school, like, I was, like, what, mm, 21, 22 when I learned this. But my, I've been Guatemalan and Mexican my whole life, and I've just learned about my Guatemalan heritage, like, three years ago. Yeah. So... And that's always kind of spoken to me a lot because I'm like in like the news or like any kind of like media, like it's mostly like you're undocumented, you're uh, from south of the border, you're Mexican. I mean, I'll I'll be very frank like that. If they see you're brown, you're Mexican. Mm -hmm. I I feel like a lot of people assume that. But I feel like it's like kind of a similar experience to other cultures, you know, that just because you're some way you're automatically like placeholder, whatever the predominant um, culture is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, it's funny because my, out of my three siblings, I speak Spanish, so like, not the best. Like I could get through a conversation and I'll order and I'll, I, I like salsa, like I like chili. So, you know, I got those things covered, but out of my three siblings, I've always felt like a little bit the most disconnected. Like, in certain Mm -hmm. aspects. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, sorry. I don't know why I started laughing, but you said chilies. (laughs) Like salsas and like... Oh, I thought you meant the restaurant. I was like, wait, (laughs) you speak Spanish at chilies? I've never had like a Mexican waiter at chilies, dude. (laughs) Sorry. No, I have. Well, then again, there's no chilies where I grew up. It was like more in an empire or like somewhere else I've been to Chili's TBH. sorry, sorry. I'm, you're having a serious moment and i got caught no, off guard saying, i love chilies so my my spanish is there it's good there i'm like wait what no I, yeah I <laughs> no, like, no you're fine it's my fault it's my fault no i'm hungry though. <laughs> right <now> I am, <laughs> yeah. i'm an eight uh, but uh yeah so like that's why i'm gonna talk about it because like i feel like for my mom's side of like that um full disclosure my mom was adopted mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like part of the reason I'd never hear about it is because of that um, mm-hmm. situation in her background. So I, I mean, for me, I always try to ask like, hey, like, you know, how was life growing up there? Um, obviously she's here, so it probably wasn't the one of us. Um, so it's always kind of, I feel like it's always hard for her to like talk about it. So I always try to like, you know, hype it up like yeah like tell me like tell me like about your family tell me about like what you eat ate there um another thing she we like we like to eat which is well, very popular throughout the like, like community is like black beans and white rice mm. you know? um especially i mean that's in my family 
Um, and so that she, when she eats that, again, I'm the only person in my family, my, of my three siblings that likes black beans. And so uh, I always try to like, kind of ask about that because and the rest of my like, uh, dad's side of the family, like they're fully Mexican. Like their wives and husbands are fully Mexican. And my, and my, my part is the only one that's a little different. So it's always, so like whenever there's like a family gathering and all that, it's always interesting. Like the, if you see like the, the food, food options, it's mostly Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever like we go to my mom's side of the family, there's a bit more of like that Guatemala, it's slight Guatemalan differentiation in there. Um, so which is why I really wanted to talk about it. Cause I'm like, I feel like I want to give her that shout out. Cause I'm like, like if she's not like too like, she wants to talk about it, I'll talk about it for her. Mm-hmm. Just because, yeah, she's like lived out like a tough life. So like, that's kind of like why I like to talk about her culture, even though she, like, it's sometimes hard for her. Yeah. Um, um, like for, for your Guatemalan side, like what, what do you feel like you've sort of learned more about that part of you? that you sort of now embrace and, and sort of you, you sort of see like, oh yeah, like I, I'm, I'm definitely that, you know, and that I see that part of my, uh, my heritage sort of is more prominent now or something I, I see more of. I think one of the biggest things is like when people ask me or kind of give me like, no, I don't say microaggression when they're like, oh, you're, you're Mexican, right? I'll be like, I'm Guatemalan and Mexican. And I'll say Guatemalan, I could say Mexican first, uh, but I'll say Guatemalan first just because I feel like when you're put like in a bubble of like all your, you look away, so you're just, you're just this, it's that assumption. I'm like that with names too, not to like diverge too much. It's like, I'm like, I'm gonna correct you. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, like, I really, I'm like, I'm like, it's just like a slight, like, it's more of like a level of respect. I'm like, this is my name. Can you please say it right? Mm-hmm. This is my culture. Please don't assume just because mm-hmm. I look this way. Um, and so that's one of the biggest things. So kind of standing my ground, like for my cultural identity. But I, I'm saying that like, like nonchalantly now, but it took me a long time to get there. Because obviously growing up, like, I mean, it is more kind of like a cult, like for me, it's like, or like my skin tone. A lot of people around me were always lighter than me. So I sometimes felt insecure about that because I'm like, oh, damn, like I'm too brown. I'm too, I don't look like you. So I don't feel like my version of me, of, of, of me is not good enough to fit here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has always been interesting for me to like deal with like kind of, uh, what is it skin tone wise? Like a color, like colorism. There's colorism and I mean, we don't talk, I feel like it's not talked about enough, but like there's colorism in like the Latin community. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of learning how to deal with that, like, you know, like I'm okay, I, I'm i okay, I'm valued as like whatever skin tone I am, even though people, some people won't think that. And that's okay, Like, but you know, as long as I'm okay with how I feel and look, then that's okay. But I'm like, I'll stand my ground, even if you want to like correct me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm um and so another thing with my i mean, going back to like with like guatemalan side and all that just like learning about the history kind of understanding what drove my mom to come to this country you know mm-hmm. like i feel like we always talk about but there's always a conversation like yeah everyone's migrating yeah like everyone wants to like t- 
take these jobs at X, Y, and Z, but like, you know, like you, no one ever really listens to the stories of why, you know? So, I mean, like I mentioned, like my mom had a very tough upbringing when she was young. And so there's still parts I'm not, I'm not entirely sure about her story, um, but I just knew that it wasn't like the best fit for her. And I'm pretty sure like, I, I, like, I'm pretty sure like if she would have stayed there, she probably wouldn't have survived as long as she has. Mm. Um, but it also tells me a lot about her own self. You know, she's willing to do like this long trek over here um, just to try to get something good, even though it's like obviously not always perfect here. Um, and so that kind of inspires me to, you know, like kind of keep going. Like, I'm like, yeah, like I could complain about, oh, not making this deadline, but I'm like, my mom fucking crossed all these countries. I think, I think it's the least I could do. I'm like, let's take a kind of a first world problem. Like if I'm complaining about this one, like my mom's probably done something more unimaginable, like something I can't even begin to imagine how like hard that was, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like, or you're, you're, she's doing this thing. And then uh, you like, we're not, we don't know if she would have survived, you know, we don't know who would have been there, you know, like the people like, you know, um, so that kind of inspires me to keep going. Cause I'm like, my parents have done more, like everyone's like, whoever's a first generation student, like they risk themselves to like come here to, you know, the American dream, but it doesn't always look like that, you know? So there's like that risk in itself as well. Um, so yeah, so that's why I chose Shalmin. I just really wanted to like- To bring it all back. Yeah, like really like why, like very important to me that I talk about it, but huge shout out to my dad too. Like obviously we all love Mexican food. I mean, not to speak to for many people, but I love my good carne asada and like all of that. Mexican tamales, babe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's Guatemalan Xiaomin. Try it and I'll invite you guys to like. Yeah, I am down for that. <laughs> it's really good. I hope it's as good as I hype it up to be. No, I'm, I'm sure it's delicious. I'm, I'm, I'm so curious, just like sort of to see like like how different it could be from just sort of like Chinese chow mein and because like, I mean I, I love that like there are like different cultures that have like sometimes variations and they draw from different cultures uh in terms of food which is really cool and I, I'd love to just kind of see like how similar or maybe different it is we can have no, a yeah, food like, battle exactly no that, that's why I wanted to talk about it because I'm like when you think about chow mein, you're like Chinese like Chinese food mm-hmm. or some yeah. kind of like you know noodle we should do that. Uh, your your mom makes the her you know um, dish, and then Charlie picks the best Chinese restaurant to get chow mein from, and he brings that over, and then we compare. Like which one? Which one? and then it's blind test too, so you don't even tell us which one we're eating. Just be like, here's dish plate number one. Here's plate number two. Enjoy. Okay. Man. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it's like home cooked versus restaurant too. Think, it's like you mm, feel it. You feel it. Unless it's like a mom and pop shop, shop kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that'd be like the more fair <laughs> comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, this was great, Urban. I didn't know. You know, it's because I eat a lot of like Mexican food. Like when you go to Mexico, they have the Chinese restaurants there too, which are really cool because it's a different yeah. take. So it's like I think it's yeah. like it comes it stems from the same like origin as like for your family right no yeah, yeah. it's actually funny because i was like wanted to like actually i googled this just because i wanted to make sure i was calling it by the right thing <laughs> and then i'm all like wait because I, I put guatemalan noodles and mm-hmm. it, it didn't give me anything and i'm like wait 
Guatemalan Shaolin because my mom's always called it that but I thought mm. it was like you know like how she said it and then no yeah, it's actually a thing I was like okay like I, yeah. I don't know you know seal Shaolin funny one <laughs> right thing Guatemalan Shaolin no good man now that we've talked about food and how like there's a lot of meaning to your Guatemalan culture and heritage I really want to talk about the past year and a half of your life urban like since the i would say around january to march you've had a lot of those like upcoming success and like you know finding new meaning to your life and then COVID hits in that late part of march until like till now do you want to like go into depth about what has happened that time and anything prior like prior to that like timeline that leads up to it yeah so um one of the biggest things i did during my time in school was really take it, trying to take advantage of every opportunity I could. And if not, like make those opportunities for myself. So um, I was fortunate enough to have like an expert at a time where I was like talking to, using my skills of talking to people. And I kind of reached out to a professor that I had and was like, hey, like I'm really interested in this. I was trying to also like not sure about like my major. So I was like, I'm not really sure, but I kind of want to do something else like can I get some help it was an English teacher professor and he said yeah like you kind of sound like you would be able to talk to a professor who's in the music department she's Latina so like it, like that connection was already there it's pretty cool to see someone like in that space that's kind of looks like you mm. um, so I reached out to her um, hit it off right away and took a class and then because of that class, she saw my work ethic and she kind of reached out to me after that quarter ended and was like, hey, like you're showing a lot of promise. You are asking questions like my grad st students are. So for her to say that, I was like, whoa, like I got it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she said basically that she'd be really interested. Um, she, she followed up that like the following quarter was like, hey, like if you ever want to do a research paper, I'm willing to work with you. So for her to like reach out in that way, it felt like there was like some meaning to it and I, I had to do it. And again, like it was a moment of opportunity that I should take. Cause I didn't really know anyone that else that was getting those opportunities. So I'm like, why not me? Um, I didn't know what it meant at the time. Uh, fast forward a couple of months, we start like breaking that project down. Um, probably one of the toughest experiences in my college career, mostly like just time management, uh in my personal academic and like every everything after um that also challenged me I, I think I said academically because I wasn't the strongest writer so it made me really like try to craft this thing I should have crafted a long time ago like in school like my writing um but it ended up being like one of the most well meaningful projects ever because I, f I had to find meaning to it I had to use all my resources for it and really kind of make something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and ultimately, I didn't know what I was, I was getting myself into until I was doing all that work. It ended up being a 35 page paper. Wow. But it's always like a brag that I like to say. I'm like, yeah, we had that three five in there, you know. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Uh, but it was in that, it was like, like a couple of months of reading like articles books go actually using our campus's library and finding something that would be useful to my paper of current events or past um it ended up being like a paper about natural disasters and how people of color go forgotten 
And it was that was not the intention going into this project, but it turned into like something that I fell in love with and felt like more people had to write about, I mean, uh, think about and read about. And so when I got really into the nitty gritty of it, I learned a lot within like, I kind of was like look, looking outside to look in kind of thing, like as a person of color, looking how um, all those, like I used three different scenarios like within like history, like Haiti, Katrina and Puerto Rico. And kind of use those experiences to show, kind of showcase how like, even with time, so much time that has passed and everything, there's still like a lot of disarray and like chaos going on within those things because they're still felt today. So the ultimate goal of the paper was to showcase that this happened a long time ago. It happened last year, it happened five years ago and it could happen again and it could happen to you. And I think that was like the bigger, the bread and butter of that project. I mean, to like simplify it, but it really kind of showed how like much we take for granted until like we don't, we don't have something anymore. And it, that was a part that became the most meaningful to me. I luckily have never felt like, you know, like I'm being forgotten or put in like my voice has been taken away. But these experiences, like these like readings and like research that I did and put it all together in one space showed me that it's possible to feel that way in the most unexpected way. So I kind of wanted to really sh show people that as a person of color who's writing about people of color, music can reflect and show power when there's a lot of voices coming together, which is as a music major, bringing that into a project makes sense because music brings people together. So using that medium as a way to bring amplify the voices that go forgotten is huge. And so again, that's why I said it was like one of the most meaningful things I've ever done because I took something that I'm passionate about and I really like have loved for a long, like long time and people of all backgrounds love and present it on its like in a pedestal that of what it could be and what more it can do for people. Yeah. So that was to simplify that project. It was like eight months of hard work, um, but I definitely again, going back to like taking opportunities in school, one of the most, I think, uh, defining moments of my college career, everything else that followed, everything else that I did, I felt like kind of bled into that mm -hmm. because it was just like such a painstakingly uh, daunting task that I'm like, if I could write that, if I could make uh, read all of these, handle two jobs, uh, handle a relationship at all this at the same time, I'm like, I could do like apply to a job in the real world. Whenever, whenever that comes, I was only a sophomore at that time. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, um, like to, to kind of reflect back a little bit on that experience, you know, you mentioned how you had that professor who, like you said, you know, someone who looked like you, someone who sort of like, you know, in a way advocated for you and gave you that opportunity. Um, I hear that a lot, you know, like being able to see someone who looks like you and, and sort of that almost gives you that sort of, um, you know, push in a way. So what did it mean for you to, to have someone who looked like you to sort of give you that opportunity? It felt, I guess, when you think of home, you think of comfort. So that's what it felt like. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, this, like where we, like UCR is part of like a, like a loss. Uh, like a long like a big part of the like 
um, sorry, let me retract. A big portion of the community is like um, not really Latino. So, and then sometimes the spaces weren't, there wasn't like a Latino person in that space. So it was sometimes like interesting to be like, oh shoot, like it's, you're Latino. Like back home, like everyone is Latino, like down the street, uh, my neighbors, the stores that I go to, the language that I hear, the music that I hear, the TV programs that I'm hearing, awesome kind of tie in back to my culture. Mm. So when like I kind of felt like that and like when I was like in school my first couple of years, like first couple of months because I'm like, oh shoot, like this is kind of like an out of body experience. But I'm like, well mostly because I'm like, I'm not familiar with like this different uh, different culture um, because I'm like in my space, it's like the like the majority. The minority, but it's a minority, but we're the majority of the area. Um, so when I was, I went to a different space, I was like, whoa, like that's different. I'm like, there'll be days where I wouldn't speak like Spanish or I wouldn't eat anything like in no way tied to my culture unless it was being served in the dining hall, which was rare. And even then it was like, not yeah, the- I know what you mean. It was the <laughs> unseasoned version of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and and more specifically to see someone in like, in that department of color and that was Latino meant so much because it kind of solidified that, you know, this person could do it, mm. why can't I? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's, I think that goes back to like every other profession and because you want to feel somewhat comfortable because, I mean, I don't want to say that they're the person that broke the barrier or the that foundation. But they but helped pave the way, for, like, so yeah, you feel like you can do it too. Yeah, and so like, they're gonna not lie to you Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope that they're going to tell you the truth and like, be like honest with you. I mean, when I was starting off this, like, I mean, I kind of glossed over a lot of the project in terms of like how easy it pushed through, but there was a lot of, uh, what's the word, bureaucracy mm -hmm. that I had to push to do this project because I was only a sophomore. Um, I didn't really have like a solid foundation to begin the project in terms of like content. And so I have five, like, I, I'm gonna use the word five because I had to do like kind of stand my ground and be like I'm paying for educate this education. I'm like, why can't I use it, use it and learn something in the way that I feel like it's gonna benefit me the most? Because my major that I switched into, like going from because at first I was an anthropology major and I switched over to a music and culture major. So that major that I chose, the con like the curriculum wasn't even up to the point where I graduated was not solidified. So really what it meant was that I had this title and I could really do what I wanted with it. No one's gonna tell you that because it's gonna look unstructured and all that, but that's what really it was. So in order for me to like really get this um, project to count as a credit and like, you know, that I'm learning something, I had to fight back and be like, I'm paying all this money. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're not willing to do the paperwork, but I am. So, you know, who's really the lazy one here? Mm, you know straight yeah and, and i tell and i told it i tell this to a lot of people sometimes when like i'm talking about the project i'm like yeah like it's it was fun and like it was fun and like stressful and all that but there was so many other back end stuff that i had to deal with and i had to deal with like for like eight months because like a quarter is like three months it's almost like a whole year of like just dealing with like is this is this work gonna count towards my grade my education is this I'm like, how are they gonna like check in on me and all of this? I had to like really set like you had to set boundaries of like 
okay, like this is gonna count as work, this is gonna count as time, this is gonna count as how many credits or whatever you're gonna be able to get for this work. And so like that was like a huge part of when I started learning that school wasn't always fair, even though they paint themselves to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and I'll be honest with that, because I'm like, I feel like, you know, we all, I mean, anyone who's gone to school, like the first reason a lot of people don't go to school is because of money. And then if you go to school, you're not gonna take all advantage of everything because it's not allowed to you, which is, I don't think fair because I'm like, then that kind of limits your possibility of what you want to do, you know? So that, that's why I started, I started off this by saying like, you know, I took advantage of the opportunities I had, but sometimes those opportunities I really had to like. They weren't easily mm -hmm. accessible. They weren't e mm -hmm. easy, easily mm -hmm. um, accessible. I mean, I feel like I'm also an understanding person of like, okay, like, I'm not going to be given like a silver spoon like here like you're able to do a research paper yes it's a research institution and all that but in, like it you know like time wise it's not going to be beneficial but i definitely was like oh like you're you as you see me as able to as a person that's able to do that yeah sure i'm gonna do it i'm like thanks i'm like i'm not hearing this person be, being offered or that person being offered i'm like yeah, i guess it's me i'm like i'll do it again i didn't know what it was it was super hard and but it definitely was like kind of like the catalyst to what like it led to afterwards which i'm internally grateful and i use every resource again i had for this project um but i guess another th like a thing that i'm talking about like opportunity that rose from that was um i was able to then use that experience to think about what I wanted to do after. Cause I always, I'm always been like, oh, what am I gonna do after? What am I gonna accomplish after? Because if you're going, coming off of a 30 page paper, I'll say it again. 35. How, <laughs> yeah, how do you top that? 12,000 words. I don't even know how many words it was. <laughs> it was a lot of tears though. <laughs> um, but like the next step was, um, and working at the school's career center, it was like the automatic step of being, I'm gonna need to find an internship. Mm -hmm. As a music major, I learned they're not always easy to find. So again, I had a, I, I, I incorporated that research stuff I did in this paper to research uh, internships that were gonna be, gonna be and were available for me as a music um, major at that time. So it kind of like, you see how like it blend, like it bled into that. Cause I used that skill. I was like not really thinking at the time. I was like probably like, almost seven months after that. And I was like, oh, I could, I know how to like, I know how to like think and use my like head to like really find something that's not really being found or like not in a normal way. Mm -hmm. And I applied, I use like every resource that you could think of, think of, think of. And I stumbled upon this one record label. That's always been my goal to work at a record label or intern at a record label to eventually be like, so I could know the space, you know? Because mm -hmm. um, that's one of the biggest things I learned from the career, like working at the career center is like, you know, like get experience because like, what if you don't like it when you graduate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I still have, I'm two years in still of college. So I have two more left. So I still have time to like, you know, change my mind and all that. So the window was not open for me to change, like, change, like close, to change my major. It wasn't closed, I mean. And so um, I found this really cool internship. It was, uh, well, I had two. The first one was a record label and I really learned a lot about it, about music syncing, which is like the music you hear in like movies and stuff like that, which was awesome, phenomenal. Like it was everything I was looking for. Again, I had a fight for it to make it count towards my major because there was no structure to it. So 
me finding this, me fighting for that, uh, for that class kind of was more for me to build structure for myself because I know what I was going to need when I graduated, or at least I thought I did. Um, then I got another, uh, so that one was pretty cool. I learned a lot of, in that small time. I got to meet Katy Perry. Shout out Katy Perry. Uh, <laughs> she'll listen to this, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> one day she'll be like, hey, she'll, she'll be, be season three premiere. Yeah, exactly. Um, she, we're, I'm on her Instagram, so we're tight. <laughs> oh, well, dude, in this case, <laughs> one step closer. <laughs> um, Reach out. Exactly. No, but, um, but that was a great experience. I learned a lot in that. And then after that experience, I move into probably like the, the place where I reach, I could say I was at my highest in terms of my career, um, almost being there. Like, I, I'm really proud to say that, but it was not like, it's glamorized in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started working at this internship called, Parad- well, I applied to this uh, internship named, this internship for this company named Paradigm. And the way to, that I got there was that I didn't, I forgot I applied there and it wasn't like, it was a summer coming back after my third year. Yeah. And so I basically just got a random email and was like, huh, what, what company is this? Paradigm, like, why didn't I apply for that? And then I went back to see where like, I, I'm like, I was checking like all my search engines. I'm like, where did I apply for this? Like even my emails, I'm like, oh, because it's paid. My last internship wasn't paid. So me finding that out, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess I'll do it. Like, I mean, that's, I my, my goal was to do two internships before I graduated. I'm a third year. I'm like, let's do this. And then, um, so I just, I did, I did all the hoops that I, I had to do to get through that. Longest experience in terms of interviewing I've ever done. It basically took me like a month to interview with them. I had to... And you were with the HR person and the manager of the music department. And then I had to get like a couple of references, but it was like the way that it happened. Like I could almost say that the swiftness of how it happened, it kind of went away too. But in that small time that I was in there, I experienced a lot of, um, what's that word? Uh, imposter syndrome. Mm. Yeah, so I, I'm like, I've talked about like how like I felt very confident about like this research paper that I've done, this other internship that I've done. But in this time, it was like the first time where I felt somewhat uncomfortable just to be me. Mm. And by what I mean by that is kind of like the way I look and where I kind of went to school. Mm-hmm. Because it like, it wasn't like necessarily that the people were bad. It just felt like what I had done was not enough or I didn't feel like I belong there hmm. because left from right to left to right I would hear that oh I go to UCLA I go to USC all notable schools like you got in you got in you know I mean not everyone goes there so like not like not like me and so um I felt like I couldn't relate to that and I've never been like the type to fall into that stigma of like oh like yeah I'm like yeah you see rejects you see this that anything but that was the very first time where I felt that way, even though I was in my mind and I, like other people have told me like really qualified to be there, but that's not the story I painted when I was yeah. there. I was just like, oh yeah, like I'm working in Beverly Hills. Yeah, like, <laughs> look, look at me, this little brown boy in the 912. <laughs> but um, 
that's what I would say, but not how I would actually feel. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think the reason I wouldn't say anything was because I didn't want to seem like one ungrateful because me again, as a person of color in this space was there. So in a way, like I felt like it was kind of like in my culture, like it's kind of like you should be appreciative of it, of it happening. Mm-hmm. And so that that was partially why I wasn't like, oh, like, oh, I mean, it's tough. Like, I don't like it. Because in my, that back, the way I was raised was like, you're getting this opportunity, you should not complain. Mm. And I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way, but yep. um, that's how I felt. So I didn't say actually how I felt, even though like there were moments where I would like be like, like, is this really worth it? Because it was not easy. Like I, for that whole, like basically a whole three months, I would, three, four months, I would go, I would drive home. So I could then drive to Beverly Hills. And after that, be there for like eight hours, then drive back to school in Riverside, which was a two hour commute and get there around like almost eight, nine o'clock and still do homework. And then do it probably the following day all over again. So With classes in mind as well. No, that that exactly. Yeah, so I exactly. had a, that moment of getting this internship. I really had to like from the get go wait until I restructured anything because mm-hmm. I got. I think we have fall regis- like registration for like the winter like in late December or something. My like the time I was like between the week that I was hired and I had my class schedules. I chose, I opted off not to like sign up right away to the classes I wanted because I wanted to see how, if I got the internship first. Mm-hmm. So I had to really like think about it and be like, am I going to like really drive to Beverly Hills three times a week? I'm like, if I was in LA, that would be perfect. But I'm in Riverside. There's yeah. already traffic, there's construction. There's like any little thing is going to prevent me to be there if I'm not smart at a reasonable hour. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it kind of, that, they put that one week in perspective because I, I was considering a bunch of shit and I was just like, fuck, like, how can I, sorry. No, no. you're good. This is <laughs> real. I mean, I, like hearing real. this story, I'm like, right, that's how I would deal too. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> and, you're being real. Well, one, because like I would have to, get, I had to give, would have to give up my job at the career center where I felt like I was doing like a lot of work um was meaningful yeah job description mm-hmm. and so and it was really meaningful to me like I, it's one of the environments I really felt like I thrived in I mean I struggled at first but I thrived in so so having to leave it for something that I really wanted to do was tough and the first time I ever felt in that position I'm like am I really gonna leave a space where I feel safe and I'm doing a lot and only to move to a different space that I don't even know if I'm gonna like it you know and so that, and then classes, and then having to like think about like that commute. Um, but ultimately, I got I said yes to this internship because it was paid. It would allow me more free time. I'll be able to quit one of my two jobs that I had, um, and it would like be a double like uh, two birds with one stone kind of thing because I'd be getting paid and I'd be like getting class credit. You know, that's perfect in the ideal world. Um, so I'm taking the opportunity, like it's like you know, like that running theme, and I get there right off the bat. Beautiful place. I like the when I first interviewed, I was like shocked. I'm like, damn, like if I could be here, like I'll be so like privileged, you know, like damn, like you because I'm like I worked hard and like you know, like all everything, every other little thing I've done, 
is going to be reflective here. Then I actually started like being in the space, getting to know the people, getting to know the work. Um, it felt like very presented as, you know, like, we're going to teach you all of this, but I really didn't feel like that. And it was for, I, I mentioned this before, I felt like it was imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mentioned the school part, but I didn't mention how I was the, the interns. I was the only one of color. And in oh. my like, music department, I was the only guy. Wow. So it felt like, I mean, later on, like I learned what like, it, that, that term could be, that, that could be categorized as, but I felt like I was just like another checkbox, you know? Um, and so it felt very not meaningful in that sense to like either. I'm like, I'm only one of color. I'm only guy. Wait, so you're saying that, so it was five interns, right? Four or five? In terms of like the music department. Yeah. It was five. And you're the only POC, the other four yeah. were white? Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think you're speaking to a real topic. Like, that's the thing that a lot of organizations even to this day are are sort of being put on the blast for is that like, yeah, you talk about diversity inclusion. Yeah, you talk about wanting representation. But what does that mean afterwards? You know, does that is that something you're going to continue on? Or like you said, is it just going to be a checkbox? Like, okay, once yeah. you got that, cool, you, we got that now we're good <laughs> so yeah and honestly you're right because when i got hired to my team uh over a year and a half ago there's only two of us who were people of color mm-hmm. and it was a team of like 15 people it's a lot so, so i totally yeah i get it i totally get what you mean like you say you want the diversity in the variety of different voices but how many times are you do now you just doing that in that one instant exactly. and that one incident like oh, okay cool uh person of color check done but then you just don't, then you just stop afterwards and you just go back to your old habits. No, no, exactly. And I mean, for me, I'm always trying to be like, trying to find like the positive in everything. But it wasn't until like afterwards that I felt like after I left that I really like, it dawned on me. I'm like, I'm like, I know I'm qualified. I know I belong here. Like if you ask someone, they'd probably be like, yeah, he belongs there. But like kind of having that in the back of my mind running in the loop like hey you're like only person of color I felt kind of more lesser than and I've mm-hmm. never felt that way in my life you know like I've heard stories of like people in my culture feeling like that like up to your face you know saying like racial stuff but I've never felt like that in that like there's I guess there's different like the larger conversation is that there's different ways to make people feel lesser than whether it's verbal or not and uh, I, that's how I kind of felt. Um, I'm not attacking anyone, but it's more kind of just like that it's feeling. the experience of, you had. Yeah. yeah. To tie it back in with like my research paper, having this person of color there um, in a really like, in, uh, I'm going to say at the top of her um, peers, like hold that position, it means a lot. So being in the internship and not seeing anyone of color really, especially that looks like me there, was kind of like, well, like, why don't I, what do I feel like I can't do this, you know? Or is this go- job that I really want only exclusive to people that don't look like me? Because I feel like this is a very like common thing like within like companies or like people maybe of color have seen it who are like that the people that are, that look like them hold like the general, like the the our janitors or like you know the cafeteria service. 
perverts, stuff like that. Yeah. And those those pe- there were people like that in the company, and those are the people of color that I saw, or like the mail clerk, which I bonded with over really easily. But it was harder for me to bond with like other people, because I'm like I felt like I was just like again like a checkbox, just trying to meet that kind of quota in a way. Yeah. So, but again, it, it was like that's a conversation I'm having now. But at the time, I was kind of more just grateful to be there. Mm-hmm. But I also like would want to mention that it's kind of like, you know, every opportunity is going to come. Like I've talked about opportunities so many times already. But, you know, like I think it's like doing what I've done and like all the opportunities I've taken. Sometimes it's OK to like if you don't feel OK, you should you should probably. And I wish I would have left earlier or would have said something to make like help me feel more comfortable. Um, because if I, if I, I think a lot of the thing that I felt like I didn't really flourish, I mean, partially the pandemic, but we'll get there is, that uh, I didn't like say, I didn't use my voice in that way where I wish I should have from like the, the research that I've done and been like, Hey, like mm-hmm. I'm here, but I'm not feeling comfortable, you know, but I think if there's any lesson to be learned from that experience is that, you know, if you're not feeling comfortable, you should really say something. And, you know, like, but that's what I'm saying stuff now because, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, like if you're a person of color or whatever, it's okay. Like if to say that you don't feel comfortable, you know, like that's why there's like HR groups and there's a um, community socials or whatever company, yeah. or, you know, stuff like that. I, and, not- and one piece of uh, thing I wanted to add to that is I've been doing just some more research into just sort of that almost like that feeling and that also feeling of being a person of color and, and being able to speak up about it is like sort of that difference between of having like a safe space versus a brave space. And I mean, you know, there are a lot of times we, we've been told like, okay, oh, you know, it's a safe space. You can bring up anything you want. And, and you're probably hearing this from like leadership. Right. But then there's that piece inside you where like, ah, yes, I, I hear that, but I may not feel like I can because of whatever reason, because of, I might feel like I might get, punished i might feel like I'm, this may go into my record or whatever or i may be seen as difficult yeah. and taking it another step further it's being able to have that brave space where like hey your leadership your colleagues the organization they make you feel where that you have that psychological safety mm-hmm. and like you can be able to bring stuff up and you can feel empowered to, to say stuff because everybody else is in support of that and you're not going to get remediated for it. you're not going to get you know you know dinged by it that yeah. you are truly in that safe space or, you know, in this case, brave space to be able to do so. No, exa- no, I, I totally agree. I, for me, I feel like it's kind of one of those things where like it's mentioned, but never explained, you yeah. know, like, yeah. Like if you're having an issue, come over here, do this. Like, yeah. Like there's so many like record, like, you know, training videos of like how to like, you know, handle sexual harassment, how to handle, you know, like some, you know, plot against the company or whatever. But I don't think there's ever like I mean as far as I know like any conversation where you're like hey like if you're feeling you know like you're not being heard because of that you know like probably there's like a larger conversation on that um you're welcome to correct me if I'm wrong but like it's kind of one of those things that even schools do sometimes you're like yeah we're diverse this and that but how are you diverse just because you have a lot of students of color doesn't mean that the way you have things that are set up are gonna work for everyone else, you know? 
And I think that's like a larger conversation that that this situation kind of leads into. It's like, yes, you hire people of color. Yes, they're there. But how do what can you provide to make them flourish or feel as more like more welcome or like create spaces like how you said, like, you know, to I don't I think even to say like they'll be like not have to be labeled as brave or what's the other word you said? Like um uh, safe space versus brave space. Yeah, safe space versus brave space. It should be just a space to be openly to be able to talk with mm-hmm. it about things without any repercussions of I'm gonna lose my job, I'm gonna be lose that uh opportunity to get promoted, X, Y, and Z kind of thing. So I I just think that there's uh it's kind of that saying like there's a lot of talk but no not enough um game. Right? Yeah. So um, but I mean again, like yeah, like but enough about the that nitty-gritty stuff. Like that I just think that I really want to talk about that because mm-hmm. one, I like I'm I'll lead into why it's my dream goal and all that, but I just want to say, like, you know, like not every like sometimes it makes you rethink of what like your priorities are, and that definitely showed me what I want in like a perfect like professional environment. Mm-hmm. Like it taught me that. I mean, in a hard way. But like it got better over time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dream goal, like what I learned from this goal was that I was in like basically touching in a different part of entertainment that I never thought about, which was kind of like the touring and music and stuff like that. Um, and I was really happy about like getting that experience because I've always thought about it and I learned new things that I never even thought about. They restructured my way of thinking of towards my career. I've done like the research paper, I've done working at a record label, and now I'm at a talent agency for music. So in a way, I felt like I was being like a full circle moment as far as like a music professional. Not a musician, music professional, one that understands the music process, one that knows like the production aspect, and the one that kind of basically knows how to market it. Yeah. And that that's what this experience taught me, and I was really grateful for it. And I felt like I could have flourished more here, but then COVID hit, you know? Um, like many people, like I lost this opportunity because there was restructuring that I had to go on to preserve this company. Uh, I was an intern, bottom of the barrel kind of thing. I always like to say it sounds harsher than it, I mean, that it really is, but that's really what it was. Um, and I was about to graduate. I really had a lot, I felt like I sacrificed prior to a lot for this opportunity. So losing this opportunity of like just even finishing off my program. Felt like I cut like the effort that went into it didn't mean much at the end, you know. So I had to really like dig it and like within this experience to see like what did I really learn, you know? Because uh, I was my program was supposed to be six months, but it ended up being only three months. And then like obviously every like everyone else, COVID hit, and then school transitioned into online, and then other jobs that I had transitioned like just take out or like what well, I was working at a restaurant. And so it really brought things into perspective following all those accomplishments that I've done. And it really put a like a ding into my spirit because I mean, it felt like every, I don't say I was very calculated on what I wanted to do and how to get to the place I wanted to be, but it felt like all, even with the most like planning that I did and like, you know, trying to do everything right, you know, not partying, not going out late at night, hitting the books, research papers, all of that. 
kind of resulted into like feeling like nothing. And I definitely felt that when I lost all those opportunities and then school moved online because, you know, you work hard to go into school. You want to make your parents proud and I get that expensive piece of paper, you know, let's, let's all say what it really is. Uh, just has different fonts and all that. <laughs> just kidding, guys. <laughs> but, there goes my degree. That's all it was, guys. <laughs> that, that's how one uh, high school teacher told me, and I'm like, yeah, I agree. I'm like, thank you for not glossing over it. You know, yes. I'd rather you be tell me what it really is. It's a glorified piece of paper, but it gets you places, though. You know, it helps more often than not. Yeah. Although I I keep hearing nowadays that like the bachelor's degree is starting to get watered down. Yep. It, yeah, that's what I hear too. Uh, and so um, that transition going from school to like school on campus, physical space to your bedroom was so weird because as a senior, or at least what I thought my senior year was going to be, I felt that everything else that had followed it meant nothing. Because I was like, I always thought, you know, like I'm gonna celebrate, finish my year off with like my friends. We're all gonna like get like at least the dream goal like is to get a job within our industry, see each other flourish, take those grad pictures, see take pictures with our family, be overly annoyed at everyone in that day. We're supposed to be happy, but I feel like <laughs> COVID I relate too much to this. Uh, yeah, because I mean, in, in COVID, I felt like kind of prolonged that annoyance and so much more because it basically like it transformed like your living space area into your classroom, your workplace, your social place because everyone can't meet anywhere. And so I always I think of COVID as a shit show for many reasons, like everyone else, but particularly like. I have a stronger grudge against it because of everything that it took away. And I felt like it diminished a lot of my efforts that I put into like just school because I, it, like for a while, like I won't, I won't lie, it put me in like this space of kind of second doubting myself because I, I'm like, damn, should I, I mean, just being a music major in itself in my culture, it would have, it's seen as like a risky move because obviously they're just, there's a, the basic misconception is that, oh, you wanna be a music teacher uh, or X, Y, and Z, or you wanna be a musician. And I'm like, that's not what I wanna be. That's not what I want. And all those experiences that I did were meant to, for me to like, kind of test the waters of what I wanna do in music. But that hit and I kind of lost that motivation to actually be in that. Mm -hmm. So for the good span like uh, of COVID, like, I lost a lot of myself of what I wanted to do. So it made me second guess my, my major itself, even though for a long time I had a fight for it to make, to matter for me and for everyone else. And I think like many people, I am at, at that point, middle of COVID 2020, I was really kind of lost. I was trying to find, keep myself busy, like trying to learn what I really wanted to do and all that. And it took a lot, it took a lot. I, I know I've talked about like all this perseverance and work and ethic that I did, but COVID really kind of fucked, just for lack of a better word or for the best word to use, fucked it up. 
and I took on like a bunch of jobs at post-graduation. I mean, the biggest thing is like, we didn't even get to graduate on stage, like the dream, like I, like we all wanted. Um, so not even having that made the whole experience to kind of like, what was this for, you know? At the end, it's like, you know, the school's gonna still get the money. I'm just gonna get this paper and I'm not gonna be able to at least feel that, that, that feeling of like, that it's complete, I'm done. I don't have to ever write a, another 35 page paper again. <laughs> but it, I felt like it just made us grow up more and, you know, think about like the larger scheme of things that we like, you know, what really matters. Um, and so for, again, going back to a good portion of the, of 2020, I lost myself and I had, a, I went, I went to do a bunch of like random jobs. Yeah, but you're just, just trying to meet and like yeah, do it, ends meet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like before there was like that second like shutdown when things were opening up again. Mm -hmm. I was I went back to work at my, my restaurant that I worked for five years throughout mm -hmm. my whole college time, like weekends, weekdays, everything, every day. And I was there and I was like, I just graduated college and I'm still at this restaurant, but I told myself I was going to leave. But I'm not leaving because there's nothing, there's no work. Everything is either closed or bare, like there's the bare minimum. Yeah. So I was kind of like, eh. And then again, uh, the, uh, there was another reopening and I kind of just quit that. And I was like, I am done with like it, uh, uh, fast, like fast food and restaurant, all the servers and everything. Uh, it's such an over underpaid job and overworked uh group of people that I'm like, I I need to leave. I'm like, I've done this too long for me, for all the work that I've done in my personal life, you know? Mm -hmm. um, then I just, I got an opportunity to work at H&M, was there, realized I hate retail, hate it, hate it. I respect the workers so much. I hate customers. As a customer, that's okay to say, you know, the customer's not always right. You recognize the evil in oneself. Yeah. You're bringing back some trauma for me. Because I, yeah. I used to work during, at Macy's during like like Black Friday and Christmas. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> well, I, I worked there for like three months. And then I quit like the week before Thanksgiving. Smart. But, smart yeah, man. Yeah. They, they were like, oh, you're quitting. You've been here for such a, like, such a small town. I'm like, yeah, it's not for me. Because it was like a lot of like high school drama. Like a lot of these kids are young. I know I sound old. I'm like 24, but these kids are young fighting about like, oh, he's dating her. This is that. I'm like, I don't care. I'm <laughs> I, I just graduated college. We're in the pandemic. Can you just shut up? I don't care about who's who's doing who, you know? <laughs> like, I'm like, this I'm dead. I'm like, <laughs> For the next episode, we'll talk about more about these <laughs> stories. High school <laughs> shenanigans <laughs> with Urban. <laughs> That's a great title. Um, and... I was there and I learned that and I was like, nah, I'm not, this is not for me. I'm like, I just graduated. I'm not, I'm like, I work too hard to just yeah. be here. And I, I don't care if there's a pandemic, I need to find a way out. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily at, at that time I was applying to different jobs, kind of nothing in music because there was no live performances. So that kind of uh, dead end road. So I expanded my horizon into just being in any kind of assistant. I felt like it would look better on my resume mm -hmm. than you know, working retail, you know? as far as my career development and so i was fortunate enough to get a position at this art preservation company so left field from whatever i wanted to do uh it was a pretty cool experience i got to pre preserve art take pictures of it and like just kind of 
put in a file. I worked a lot on my own in Van Dyes. So at that point, I could say I worked like in mostly every major place in like California, like in Southern California, Riverside, Beverly Hills, Culver City, LA, Glendale, Pasadena. Van yeah, Van Nuys. Burbank. Like, I, I, my resumes, I, I've been everywhere. It's pretty cool. Um, but a lot of driving and gas. Sorry, yeah. Pollution, yeah. Um, and that was a cool experience. Um, then the worst possible thing that happened during this time happened. My dad, my parents fell ill with COVID. My dad ended up in the hospital for a month and he basically was kind of unresponsive for a month. And that time that I was at this job that I had just gotten. And so it was weird because like my mom got sick. I had to tell them like, hey, like my mom has COVID. I'm not gonna be able to go in. I've been there like a month. They're like, no, it's cool. Take a two week period, take the test, you know, like be safe, everything. They paid it, thank God. But it felt weird because I'm like, dad, I'm taking advantage of this. And I just started and I feel like I'm not really working. I feel like I'm back at like March 13th where everything went to shit. You know, like, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna pay things? How, like, I know I'm getting paid, but like, what if like they decide to fire me? Mm -hmm. um, and I just left all these other jobs that I didn't really have a need to leave, but what if I had just stayed there? And yeah, then my mom, my mom, parents get COVID, then my dad falls. This is like in late December, so Christmas time, it was a sucky Christmas. We had a social distance and all that. And um, the following, that January, we every, like everyone else, we thought it was gonna be a good start of the year. You know, like a lot of bad stuff happened 2020, moving into more positive stuff. And my dad got sick for a month. I became a parent, financial person. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was tough that I became a parent because you did yeah, it. Yeah. I, I became a parent in terms of taking care of everyone else in my family. Yeah. I don't have kids. Full disclosure <laughs> but i feel like i do um and so full circle moment because it's father's day <laughs> but uh basically that experience what well, i was not prepared for watching my dad be in the hospital basically innovated and everything i don't wish that on anyone's parents or anything but it's like the toughest thing to see and not be able to see them like hold their hand and be there for them in person it was tough I don't know how I survived it. I felt like, you know, one would think that everything that you prepared yourself for would, you know, make you strong enough to like encounter something like that. But it was a real wake up call, real like eye opener, like whatever you want to say. But it made me reevaluate things that I wanted to do in my life. And, you know, it was more important. Like I've always kind of been career oriented, but I also realized, you know, like my family is also important to me. Like I should, like just how I can make time for work, I should make time for my fat more for my family because they're what's important, you know. Because at the end of the day, it's, they're the ones that are gonna pick me up if I fall, and I'm gonna pick them up if they fall. Um, but that time was tough. I mean, and I was still handling that job, and I read all the finances. I mean, and I don't know how I did it. I still to this day, it's like we're seven months after he was in the hospital, he's doing better. But I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I survived. Um, and this job really was probably really so kind to me because I was just there for a bit, but they really helped me out as much as I could. They were more than understanding. Like 
when the doc doctors would call me, like I would step out or rather leave or I was not feeling, you know, emotionally good. They, they really helped me in that aspect. And so uh, it, unfortunately, like it came to a close because I was furloughed. Um, but I didn't tell my parents that because I didn't want to worry them. My dad was still recovering. My mom was still recovering like emotionally. I'm seeing, you know, the love of her life, you know, in that such a state. And so I had to really like, like act fast and find another job. And so I, again, switched jobs at like a, in like a six month, like I had like five different jobs in like a whole year span, uh, which I felt kind of weird saying just like, cause I had just graduated and I, I, had, I felt like I had everything planned out, um, but did a variety of different things, met a, a lot of amazing people in different industries. And I just, uh, when I got furloughed, I automatically like found another job at Target, working overnight, never done that in my life, so hard. <laughs> never do overnight, guys. But if you have to, you have to, you know. Uh, but, and then that time I was interviewing for this company I'm at. Um, to to kind of like- more. <laughs> um, so Martin, I reached out to him because he lives in the area and I was just like, hey, like I'm, I'm free, do you wanna hang out? I know you're near. I basically gave him like a whole spiel, of like all the events that have happened in the last couple of months. And I was like, hey, uh, hey, like also like I got furloughed just to like, you know, when it rains, it pours, right? And so I told him and then he mentioned that his company was hiring and I, and I was just like, you know what? If they are, I like to put my name in the ring, you know, what happens, happens, I'm like, Worst thing that's happened in my life has happened. So like, whatever, I, I like, oh, I guess I'm ready for a good surprise, you know, whatever happens. Um, outside of like my area of study, but I was open to the opportunity to be more centered towards what I wanted to do was work in entertainment. At this point, what enter me working in entertainment really means is just being in that space, mm -hmm. being a, a, around content that I like. I did graduate the music major. I did work in different spaces where music but this opportunity was there and I was thinking more realistically and more like maybe later down the line, I could get into a music space, but like just as a recent grad, a recent person that had like no structure really because COVID and all these family affairs and switching jobs for the past six, for the past year, I felt this opportunity, me applying to this would bring some structure to my life. And luckily it did. Uh, first and foremost, shout out to Charlie for being such a great mentor, like in my college career to really prepare me. You and Darren definitely helped me in this time to like be like the professional I am. And you, Martin, for like, you know, like letting me know about this opportunity and, you know, putting my name out there for it to be like for me to eventually be hired. Um, and I really appreciate that because luckily, as you probably could already tell, I got hired. <laughs> then um, a really rewarding experience after everything that has happened in the last year, again, um, career-wise, uh, academic, like school-wise and per personally, I felt like it was that the universe kind of, I don't want to say rewarding me back, but like kind of give, taking, getting, taking some like shit off my plate or for me or like just me handling everything the way I did or at least try to um like you know like it was I felt like more 
happy to be able to be in this like get this opportunity because I'm like you know like it was just like last year was just filled with so much shit that I didn't really for a while didn't see it going anywhere and then me like just me reconnect with Martin and have him tell me about his opportunity and then eventually be hired is probably like the, the way the best way that this all this story could end because I didn't think I was going to be okay with everything that happened, you know, losing like motivation in my career field, losing, having to pick up all this emotional baggage with my parents and all that. But it, it felt like in the past year, like one of the first times where it was really like, I was more me than I had felt in the past year. And that's saying something because I have, like when I went to school, I never felt, never knew what I wanted to do but just learning everything that I had to really kind of has brought me more circle back to who I want to be. Um, so that means like, you know, enjoying stuff now. And I know like, I want, I want to talk to this about you guys. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you guys about this, but let's, let's talk about something that we're all excited to talk about, you know? Yeah, wrap it up, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no okay i want to talk about it i want to talk about it are we what do we think about marvel Oof, that's a good turn all right so yeah. before we go to that i, I did want to ask you one quick thing and because it sounds like you went from sort of the darkest part to now at this opportunity where you're sort of enjoying and and it's something that you're you're doing in the moment so like what was sort of your takeaway from that? Because I mean, I, I, I hear a takeaway, but I kind of wanted to hear from you because like what I kind of heard was like not being afraid to reach out to people and, and sort of like in a way be vulnerable to, to allow like some sort of opportunity to possibly come up. But like, you know, what, what was sort of your takeaway just from experiencing all that? Um, well, I guess two, th- two things. Um, one Sometimes it's harder to take our own advice. And, you know, we could give really good advice and it's just sometimes really hard to take our own advice. But it's okay, because you know, it's, you never think you're gonna be in a position like that or, you know. So that I, I think that's one thing that we, I definitely wanna say. It's like, you know, yeah, you, you will never always take your own advice. Uh, the second being is that for me, at least, I definitely felt alone during the time of where my dad was in the hospital, which I haven't really admitted a lot just because of like the pain that is tied to it. Um, and I feel like several months now, later moving on from that, this experience, I'm talking about it more now because of that feeling that sometimes lingers. And so I realized that I was helping everyone else in that time and I never really left the space for me to be to be vulnerable or to ask for help because I was dealing with everything else. Um, so it really taught me, and I really hope people hear this or like you know like use my words as some kind of guidance that it's okay that if someone doesn't understand what you're feeling, but don't feel the need to push people away because they're not willing to, like, they're not gonna, they're not saying what you wanna hear, 
but it's just having people around you that care about you that's gonna really help you in those beneficial moments, like those moments that you really need to just not feel alone because for a long time I felt alone. And I still sometimes do like it's like a day-to-day thing, but um, just even like reaching out to Martin in that little small instant, I was not expecting uh, anything from like from that. It was just me kind of using that, reconnecting with a friend just to talk. And it was like one of those moments of like, oh wow, like if it was meant to be like all this shit to happen and then me like he ultimately ended a place where, you know, like I'm actually happy with what I'm doing. It's bringing me structure that I need. Then it's, yeah, like don't push people away. And, you know, um, it's really nice to talk to people that want to like that love and care for you and that you care and love back because you don't like, my dad, like, I'll, I'll, I'll finish this off, but like for a moment, I felt like I was going to lose my dad. So again, it really brought into perspective of what matters in like life. Even if like uh, Martin would have like Martin would have said, "No, nah, like I'm busy," but I've been I would have been like, "Okay, that's fine." I just wanted to like put my foot out, my something out there, and be like, "Hey, like I really like I'm still thinking about you. You're still my friend." Like even all this time after, and I just like I still generally think of you really high, and like I really like appreciate having you in my life, and that's what that kind of intent means even if sometimes it's not reciprocated back but it's like the effort that i'm putting out there because it's a two-way a two-way street you know like the phone works both ways so why can't yeah. if i need if i want to talk to people i should be able to whatever whatever the outcome might be yeah no, i agree and honestly you know me man like um, I always want people to be more to make that first move and reach out and talk to me. So when you called me, I dropped everything. I appreciate that. It, and I, I, I love you as a friend. So I was like, oh shit, he wants to hang out. <laughs> Why am I going to say no to this beautiful oh, man? Just... So I was just, I was grateful to spend the time with you. But um, I know that we wanted to talk about Marvel, but seeing that we're all three of us are huge Marvel nerds, how about we save that for a future episode where we can just dive into that? Yeah, I mean, I would love I think that sounds perfect. We may need to bring you back for when uh the Loki uh Loki series, series like Loki ends. Can yeah. we? Can we? Uh, I have some things to talk that. about him. I relate to him a lot, yeah. actually. Uh, <laughs> we'll save that yeah, for that we'll episode. We'll we'll do it similar to how we did it with yeah. last season yeah. with the Captain America and Winter Soldier. Who so we'll be sure to do that for Loki this season. But for reals, man, this story of yours is you know. It's a great story because not because it's just a story, but it's a um, a recount of someone's life who had an opportunity to go further, was halted because of COVID, but found a way to get back on their feet, go through a lot of different triumphs and hardships, but was still able to look forward to the optimistic part of life and is still succeeding till this day. So I'm happy for you. I'm happy that your family is doing better, and I'm really excited for what's next to come. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah um charlie you want the final words sure yeah no i i definitely echo exactly what martin said and i think you know just what we're about here like how you sort of really uplifted your own sort of background and culture and how that sort of was interwoven between everything that you experienced over the past year and a half like it it was so meaningful just to kind of hear you talk about that and then sort of what it means to be a person of color in in these experiences in both good and bad. So thank you so much for just being able to share that. 
And we definitely look forward to having you back on for sure. So <laughs> yes. until next time, so we can get you back on. Um, this is Taste of Meaning. Take care of each other, folks. And of course, take care of yourselves.